Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Gospel-Based Parenting, a biblical study on discipline and discipling. In this book, you will explore what the Bible really says about spanking and how we can discipline our children the biblical way without spanking or punishment. Every chapter includes a list of discussion and application questions to help you reflect on God's word, God's heart, and your own heart as you seek to discipline and disciple your children like Jesus. Buy your copy today. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I'm your very, very proud host. And today I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Ashley Booker. Thank you so very much for joining us as we have a conversation that can change the world. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I have been so looking forward to this conversation ever since I discovered you and your amazing life on Instagram and your incredible family. Um, So for people that may not be familiar with you, Ashley, and your lifestyle, can you share a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Oh, you're so kind. Um, It has been really exciting for the past six months. You know, it's funny that you say we have such an exciting life because prior to us leaving um, for this amazing adventure around the world, we had a wonderful life, but it was wonderfully boring. Like we had no change. My husband has had one job since he graduated from college. We've had one home. We've had one city. I mean, we have had no change. Um, And it wasn't bad. We loved all of those things. We love our home city. Um, We're definitely not the nomadic um, family that, that has no desire to have roots and to have um, you know, family, um, close-knit family. So we're definitely not that. We love our home. We love um, our kids' school that they had gone to. We loved everything. Um, so it was not definitely, it never was an escape, um, but it was, just a, it was just a fun adventure that we kind of decided to go on. So my husband's a physical therapist and that job is not traditionally a flexible remote um, nomadic job. It's kind of you're you're here and you're, you know, you're you're here. But um he kind of was going through a natural job transition. And so we had talked about for years um kind of what it would be like to just take our take our kids on a on a on a trip. We have always loved to travel. Uh, but at the beginning of our marriage, we've been married for 15 years at this point. We were 19 and 20 when we got married. So we're not that old, but we've been married for a long time. And when we were just getting started, we, it took a long time to save up for, for a trip. So we kind of had these plans of, okay, for our five-year anniversary, we wanted to do a Mediterranean cruise. And then for our 10-year anniversary, we wanted to go to Tahiti. And that was kind of just our only goals. And it took about five years to, you know, save 
when we were just starting out and we were young. So I remember, I'll, like, I'll never forget, we were in Tahiti. We had had a babysitter for our kids. Our, grand, our parents had watched our kids. Um, and our kids were, I think, two and three, getting a little easier than like the newborn stage, maybe three and four. And it was our last day. And it was like, we had kind of had this vision for 10 years of what we wanted our travels to be like. And it really just was those two places. And at the last day, I was like, well, what now, you know, and really the answer was like, well, just the rest of the world, like <laughs> after those first two things, um, it was just kind of everywhere else. And then at that point we were like, and we want to do it with our kids too. Uh, so since then, uh, probably about for the last four years, we've traveled quite a bit internationally with the kids just for a week at a time, you know, here and there on, on um, school breaks and in the summer. And so it got to be that it went from our dream of one day, maybe we'll take a longer extended trip um, to where my husband was just kind of naturally going through a job transition. And so at that point, we, it kind of went from a dream to a specific plan. Um, mm. And really the only thing that wasn't ideal was COVID and just the travel hard hardness with that, with that, um, with COVID. However, we kind of decided if we have a specific route and 15 different places that we have to go, this trip isn't, isn't good for a COVID year. However, if we can just be super flexible and last minute and just go wherever is open, then it would still be pretty doable. And, and it has been. So wow. fast forward, I know we'll talk about a lot more of, of our trips since we've since we left, uh, we left in August, and since then we've done 17 countries, which is just crazy to be able to have done, and a really big blessing, um, especially in a in a COVID year. Um, so we've done it, you know, safely, and we've tried to be wise with with that traveling during COVID and wanting to be considerate in the countries that we are that we've been in. But um, so we've done about three months in Europe. We did a stop in Dubai, and then we did about um, three months in Africa. So the only thing that kind of made it tricky with COVID was our parents were planning to come visit us a couple times. Um, and after twice of canceling, having to cancel at the last minute on my end, on our end, on their end, they ended up not being able to come. So we actually decided to come home for a visit for family. Um, at the point that they couldn't come and visit us, we decided to, to visit them. So we're home right now. Um, and then hopefully going to go back out for another three months or so um, to South America. Um, so that's, that's kind of our plan. And then we'll see from there. That is absolutely incredible. And I'm so excited to pick your brain and just kind of learn all about the, the nitty gritty details of how you guys went from a very happy American based, US based family to traveling the world with two children. Um, that is blowing my mind and especially to do that during COVID. But just so people can kind of have a time frame. right now, we are recording this episode on February 16th of 2022. And so you left in August of 2021. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. yep. Okay. We started so, in Paris. That was our first international destination. Okay. Because so, it was the cheapest to get to. It was just yeah. a place that was cheap. So that's, that's why we started there. Awesome. So you started in Paris and and have visited 17 countries in the last six months with two kids yeah holy cow <laughs> that is amazing oh. all right so i'm super curious about how your children handled the news um 
were they excited about this? I mean, were they nervous? Did they totally hate the idea of like leaving home for so long? How did they respond to the news that they were going to be traveling the world and not experiencing their normal school plans as they probably had anticipated? Yeah, well, they, that great question. Um, they did, they were excited. I mean, I think there was a little bit I don't think home and schedule as much, but we are very close, as I mentioned, with specifically all our grandparents, all, all our parents, all their grandparents. So I think like they have friends, they're still young enough that they like being around us. They love each other, they're best friends. So I think just being a family of four and the flip side is maybe we're not seeing these people, but they've never had the chance to have this um, this time with my husband. Like they have, I, I was, I've always been at home with them when they've been real little. Um, but he's always just had such a demanding job that right. I think it's a, it was a give and take. Like we weren't going to be able to see our family and our cousins and our grandparents, but this just incredible gift of getting to spend this time with their dad that they've never gotten to do before. And probably maybe won't ever have another chance like that. Most kids don't ever have six months or a year of just quality time with both their parents. So I think, I think we all saw that as just such a gift and, um, they, they did great. They're really great travelers. Um, after a while, just the missing the grandparents really kind of weighed on all of us, but specifically them. I think if we had just known up front that we weren't going to see them for a year, that could have, we could have kind of gotten our minds around it. Yeah. It was the roller coaster of the first time my parents actually got to where we were in Europe and had a family emergency and had to turn around and fly back like five hours later. So oh that was just gosh. such a roller coaster of, you know, emotions. Yeah. And then the second time we actually um, were going to meet them in Egypt. And then this was around Christmas time and ended up, we had had no health problems, perfect health the whole time. Um, and we tested positive like two days uh, for COVID, like two days before they were supposed to come. And so they had to cancel. So it was just the roller coaster of last minute changes. Um, and yeah. our cases were super mild and it, we, we just quarantined for two weeks and it was, it was okay. But, um, so at that point, that was when we said, you know what, it's, it's just time to come home for a visit. So mm -hmm. I think it, it would have been different if we had just planned to not, you know, to see them, but. Yeah, that makes sense. Having those last minute changes, especially when you're looking forward to seeing someone and especially having them so close and then have them turn around and go back. I mean, that must have been heartbreaking for you and so, so difficult for your children too, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, of all of the just things that you think about, like what's going to be hard about traveling. I mean, it was, it's been all good things for our family, all just, it's not been perfect. Like we've had bad days, but it really has been easier than we thought and um, better than we thought that's mm -hmm. really been the only thing that's been like just really tough you know yeah. um to kind of walk through because that like you said like that's hard especially for a child that's not little that's that's like big kid emotions you know that's adult emotions um but other than that I mean it's just it's been easy and great and and all better things than what we had even hoped it would be Wow. That's amazing. And so before you traveled, I know that you said you had a five-year goal for your marriage and then you had a 10-year goal. Had you guys traveled internationally before that, or was that kind of your first experience traveling internationally at the five and 10-year mark of your marriage? So my husband traveled kind of around the U.S. Um, before we got married. I did travel internationally quite a bit with my, with my mom. Um, and so 
it wasn't necessarily new for either of us, um, but we knew that we wanted, we wanted to, even if it wasn't completely familiar. Um, So I don't, after, I guess, 2018 was when the first time we took the kids um, on an international trip, they were four and five at the time. um, And that went really well. And so we kind of just went on from there. So by the, even before August, I think they had both been to maybe five or six countries. So not very well traveled, but enough to know, like we could kind of do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Okay, so like the logistical part of me is wondering, how on earth do you even plan for this? Like when you guys made that decision, okay, we're going to leave in August, we're going to travel the world for a year with two kids, walk me through your, I guess, your thought process as far as like logistics, finances. I know that you said that because of COVID, you couldn't really have specific, like we're going to go here on this date and you kind of had to be a little bit more flexible. Um, but walk me through a little bit more regarding like how you started even planning for something this massive. Sure. Yeah. So I think a big part of our planning was our home because we do own our home and Mm -hmm. it's paid off. And so it also was, is a big part of like our nest egg is our home. So, um, it's not, it's different than, oh, we get renters to come in and whatever. It's like, this is kind of our, our wealth is is our home, um, is tied up into our home. So it's a little more stressful to make a good decision when, you know, it's, it's, it's cash. And so, um, so I think that was probably the biggest decision we had, we made. Um, we ended up deciding to keep it, um, my sister-in-law and her family lived um, at the, in our house for a couple months, and then it just sat vacant the rest of the time. Um, a lot of stuff went into that. We had a lot of problems with our house right before, like the week before we left. Like we found this like ant infestation, and it was so strange. Um, so I don't know if we would, it wasn't a bad choice to just leave our home and um, just leave it vacant. I, I don't know if we had known if in retrospect, if we would have made that decision just because we ended up having problems with it, we probably would have just sold it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually kind of one of the things that we're doing during our visit home is probably getting ready to sell our house before we go back out. So we probably would have done things differently, but we had no way of knowing that this would have all, you know, that we would be back six months instead of a year, um, mm-hmm. that things would have problems would have happened right before we left. So that's what we decided to do. I, I could kind of counsel different people different ways, depending on their situation. Um, but the house was definitely probably our biggest decision. We tried to sell a lot of stuff regardless, just because we, we were doing backpacks for a year. And so we knew we'd come home, which we did so overwhelmed by our stuff. So we tried to get rid of, you know, everything but the bare minimum. And then we come home and we're still just so, so mm. overwhelmed by our, by our stuff. So um, but other than that, uh, as far as the planning of the trip goes, we really didn't plan and which is kind of a bummer. You know, I love planning for a trip. That's one of my favorite things is just finding out all the details. And that's just like a hobby for me. Um, but we just didn't do it because there was no point. So we kind of did it as we as we went. And for the most part, kind of being spontaneous worked out pretty well. There was a few times that we were like, if we had looked at into this more than two minutes in advance, we would have known to not do X, Y, and Z. But for the most part, it kind of all just worked out for the most part. Mm. So you mentioned that you, you packed everything in four backpacks. 
Mm -hmm. How do you, how on earth do you pack for an entire year with just four backpacks? I know you mentioned kind of getting rid of a lot of things and only keeping the essentials, but I, I would love to hear if you have any tips for people that are, are thinking about this. What are some, some, I guess, tips that you would have for packing for an entire year with four backpacks? So this is actually the number one question, more than budgeting, more than food, more than travel logistics. This is the number one question we get is how the heck do you pack for a year <laughs> for four people and four backpacks? Uh, yeah. So we have a very detailed blog post I can share with you that actually goes out and tells every single item we brought in each backpack, what's you know there for the kids, what's there for us. Um, and then we've even actually gone back and updated that of, hey, we thought we need this, we really didn't, or there's a few things we've added, but really we haven't. I mean, very few times, little if any, have there been moments of we need more than we do. Um, yeah. The one thing I can think of specifically is we packed for warm weather primarily, and then we packed like a couple, like one long sleeve shirt and one long sleeve pants for when it was cooler. Mm -hmm. But those two items were specifically designed for to keep us warm. And so when we got to Dubai and then on into Uganda, we needed to be covered, but it was hot. <laughs> and so um, our pants and our long sleeve shirts were specifically for wanting to get warm and we needed to be cool, but with Muslim cultures, we needed to be covered. Mm -hmm. And so um, Abigail, my daughter and I picked up like $3 little dresses that were like, you know, covered our shoulders, covered our knees. And that's just kind of what we wore the whole time. So mm -hmm. that was really the only moment that we needed something different than what we had. And mm -hmm. other than that, um, we really just, we didn't need anything more. And a lot of times when we would unpack for a week or two, we would be like, we have to get rid of stuff. We have too much stuff, you know? Like even, so it really just, once you get used to it, you kind of just, you kind of get into the, I don't know. It's, I've, I heard someone say the other day that minimalism can almost be as addictive as like shopping, you know, like people, the addiction of buying more stuff, you can almost get that way for the opposite extreme of minimalism. And that's kind of how I think we feel it to where it almost, when we got home, it, I almost struggled for it to like affect my mood. I would just be like, we have mm. too much stuff, we have too much stuff, you know? So yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's just once you, once you see you need so little, it's, mm. it's almost addictive, you know? That is so true. And it, it is, it is like almost this addiction. Cause I feel like you almost get this high when you like let go of things and you realize like you're lighter and your space is cleaner and literally, I mean, it's like everything about you, your home, your space, your soul, I feel like just yeah. feels lighter as you're releasing this stuff. And it is a huge revelation to be able to see everything you have and everything that we have in this materialistic society here in the United States and the abundance yeah. that we have. And to be able to look at all this and say, okay, I really don't need all of this. And to have that freedom to let it go. I mean, what a, what a, powerful thing. Um, and it's so funny because I'm hearing you talk about this and I'm thinking about my own, you know, experience with traveling. And, you know, I grew up kind of traveling the world with my family. We would always go on international trips every year. And, and even now, like if I were to go, you know, to the beach three hours away or something, I know I'd have this ginormous suitcase and, and I always leave the house with this fear of like, oh my gosh, what if I'm forgetting something, you know, 
Um, and having that anxiety, like, ah, I'm, I'm going to miss something or I'm going to forget something. Um, but it, my mom would always remind me, if you realize that you forget something, you can always buy it there. And yes. that was such great advice, you know, for me and just being able to kind of relax and breathe a little bit, like whenever, anywhere that I go, they're going to have things that people need to live. So if I find that I really, really, really do need something, I can always go buy it. Um, and, and not feel like I have to carry, you know, my whole home with me on a, on a trip somewhere in this ginormous suitcase, but to be able to let it go. Um, what about well, for what's funny? Sorry. What's funny about that is I, you know, we never had a dryer. We sometimes didn't have a washing machine. We never had a dishwasher. And since we've been back, I've been laughing at myself that I find it's more, like I have gotten more behind with laundry and dishes with these <laughs> modern conveniences than I did when we traveled. And I think when you have so little, you know, at dinner at night, we would just immediately like wipe, like wash our four plates. We put them in the drying rack and we'd get them out the next day. Like there was no dishes to do. It was just, you use the same stuff. Same with laundry. Like we'd hang everything up, we'd get them out the next morning and wear them and then do the process all over again. Mm -hmm. And I think when you don't have, many options like whether it's with dishes when we were in Kenya if we left our dishes for more than two seconds like the bugs would just come so there was no waiting like you had to do everything right away wow. um but you and same thing with laundry when you don't have many options you have to stay on top of it or else you don't have anything to wear so yeah. there was never this ability to just kind of let things go and since we've been back I've been laughing at myself that I'm constantly behind on laundry and dishes <laughs> somehow because it's we we need the machines to help us with the amount of stuff we have I think right well and we also kind of need them to be full right like you don't mm -hmm. want to run a dishwasher yes. with three dishes in it so it's like okay well I've got to wait till I have this pile of dishes in my sink or on my counter and then we'll load this dishwasher with all the stuff and um, but you're right when you're using less stuff it just makes sense you deal with it right away and then it's done and you don't have to deal with the pile of laundry you know you've only got a couple things to clean um, which is that is so true it's kind of it is ironic the way that it kind of works out that way yeah <laughs> that's funny um I I know it's easy to think about that, I think, when it comes to like clothes and, um, you know, maybe like body care products or, you know, things like that. But I'm, I'm curious about how it was to be a minimalist when it comes to things that your children love, like toys. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't imagine what that would have been like for them to leave behind all their toys and stuff. Yes. So I think it made a big difference that we hadn't gotten rid of it all. Mm -hmm. We did get rid of a lot and we kind of, we tried to while we still know that they're children and, and, and want their stuffed animals and that's okay. Like there's a balance there of not being unreasonable for how they would feel about things. But also we always try to talk about like the trade-off, you know, like we intentionally don't do things so we can say yes to others. We say no to things. It's not because we can't, like we could do X, Y, Z, but we're choosing to say no because we want to do other things. We have other priorities. So we always try to show them that it's a trade-off. You know, you have to say no to some things in order to say yes to others. Mm -hmm. And so to an extent, we tried to kind of guide them in that. And we didn't make them get rid of, you know, their most special, you know, things that they've had since they're since they were little, but we tried within reason to kind of encourage them like, well, hey, like whatever money you sell your things for, you know, use that for a trip, like to get an ice cream cone or whatever. So Aww. we tried to push them in getting rid of 
a lot of their stuff while still being reasonable that, you know, they could keep some stuff. So um, they, I think it made a big difference that it was at home for them that, you know, when they got back, which is part of the reason I feel so overwhelmed because we got it all out as soon as we got home. Uh-huh. But, uh, but I think as far as what we brought with us, so both of them have little loveys that are just their little stuffed animals that they've had since they were born. So they both brought those. And the big thing with that is, what if you lose it? You know, so it's a, it's a give or take. My son isn't super attached to his, but he still wanted to bring his. So he just said, if I lose it, I lose it. And he didn't. So my daughter is very attached to hers still, even at eight years old. So what we actually did was we, the Christmas before, when we knew we were traveling, we bought her the exact same one but um, but not hers. And so she brought that one along and it still looked the same. It was clearly different because one looked new and one did not. But <laughs> it, was, it was a good compromise because she still had it. But if she lost that one, we could buy another one on Amazon. The one that she's yeah. had since she was a baby was you know left at home. So that was a good compromise that we both felt good about. Um, so they brought their lovies. Uh, my son bought, brought, um, two baseball gloves and a ball. So we did lug that around for 17 uh, countries because that's just what my husband and him love to do together. We brought a fairly big bag of Legos that that made the cut in our four bag. And we, every, every day they played with those, never got tired of them. That was, we used those every single day, a great, great decision to haul those along with us. Wow. Uh, we just, in a bag um, and then coloring was the other thing that we kind of chose to prioritize with our schooling um, I put a lot of emphasis on just read aloud and they listen even better when they have something to do with their hands so yeah. they can listen for hours if they're playing with Legos or coloring and so that's that's just a big part of our schooling day so mm-hmm. I thought that was definitely worth it um, to prioritize packing but that was about about it I think as far as what we brought for them uh-huh. Um, you mentioned schooling. What does schooling look like when you're traveling the world? So the main thing, you know, I, I think I would, I think I would have thought about it differently if this was going to be our long-term decision. I think I would have felt a little bit more pressure to be keeping up with things, just me personally. Um, but for one year, they're missing second and third grade. I just, I, I don't, I don't feel a lot of pressure to be making sure we're keeping up with every subject that they would have been doing in school. Mm-hmm. Um, because for this trip, we're, it, it'll probably be just a year. We'll put them, their school um, at home is a three day a week program and then they're homeschooled two days. Oh. So we weren't completely familiar or unfamiliar with what, you know, what homeschooling looks like being home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's probably where we'll, you know, we'll impact um, with them. Uh, so I think it, I didn't put as much pressure on myself because it was one year, it was second and third grade. It's not this lifelong decisions we're making, who knows, maybe it is. And then I'll think of, think of it differently. But for this year, um, we kind of thought (laughs) I I talked to their teachers that they were going to be missing. And I basically said, I don't want to offend you, but I don't want to set them up for failure for, for, for going forward. But I really don't want to do any more than what we absolutely have to do. And I don't, I don't feel bad about that because when you're in Rome and the Colosseum is out your window, I don't want to be spending six hours doing book work, you know, like we we want to go and tour the city. So I didn't, I felt really good about that. And I think math was the one thing that they said, 
it's hard to like catch up when you get behind if you're if you're going to be going back into like a traditional school setting. Mm -hmm. So we brought their math books and they were their workbooks, their um, Abeka homeschool books and the second well both of them but the second grade one I really love because every page um, the theme is a different country so it worked out perfectly for our um, our homeschool and it's colorful and fun and it was a workbook so once they were done we were able to they were pretty heavy at the beginning um, they were soft but pretty thick um, but we were able to tear off the pages as we went so it got lighter and that was also motivation to uh, work through it because it got lighter uh, they had to carry their own books so it uh -huh. got it got lighter as we went so we did keep up with that and that went really well they just do math every morning um, the other big component that we did choose to bring is that we invested in some really good quality journals. Mm. So they're only souvenir. And I have pictures of these, I think on our Facebook page, they, they're so sweet. They just look like they're just our trip in a nutshell. I mean, it, it just, it's such a good representation of kind of what we've done and our experiences. Mm. So the only souvenir that we've done is they, every destination we do, we go to, they get to pick out a sticker and their stickers go on the covers of their journals. So their journal covers are just covered with all the places we've been to and they're really, really sweet. And then most every day we do a journal entry and we kind of talk about that's, uh, it serves a lot of purposes. One's it helps us remember what we've learned, whether it was a tour or, or even just stuff of, hey, we spent 30 hours on a plane. Talk about the logistics of what it felt like, to, you know, going through that. So it doesn't always have to be just facts that we learned. Um, sometimes if it, if we weren't really doing a lot of touring, I would let them um, pick out a book on like an ebook about that country. Or, you know, if we saw a volcano, maybe learn about volcanoes, like read the book and write a paragraph about it. And then after that, we can kind of talk about that kind of incorporates a lot of things and incorporates handwriting. We can talk about parts of speech and grammar just as we're doing. So we kind of use that as a catch-all language arts, literature, um, grammar. <laughs> that, that's kind of all-encompassing in, in their journals and in their souvenirs. Yeah, so, journals uh, are, are such a beautiful way to like naturally practice writing, I feel like. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite things to this day to look back on my journals that I wrote when I was you know, in elementary school and we would be in Germany with my family or something like that. And being able to see that and have that like written record and just see that growth that happens is so beautiful. And it's funny because when you write things down, you do like you remember things better than if I had never written them like, oh, I would have forgotten that we did that or I would have forgotten that we went here. Or, I would have forgotten what that felt like in that moment, you know. Um, so I love that your kids are able to to keep a journal and kind of keep that memento of their travels. And um, you're, you're actually you're talking to an unschooler here. So um, we actually don't use any curriculum. Um, or any kind of formal learning, even though I'm a, I'm a teacher by trade, um, but we do unschooling at home. And I so resonate with what you're saying about why would you kind of waste time doing book work at home when you have the Coliseum in your backyard, you know? Um, and it, it's so true. Children really do learn best when they are having these real life, real world experiences. I guarantee you, they are going to learn and remember the Coliseum so much better because they've been there than from any textbook or worksheet or workbook that they could have ever had about the Coliseum. Um, so those real life experiences for your children, that is going to be 
such an important foundational part of the learning. So please do not feel guilty, you know, in any way, like, like they're missing, you know, second and third grade. No, like the gift that you are providing to your children to be able to experience places and cultures and food and adventure and travel and riding on public transportation and meeting new friends and hearing other languages. All of that is such valuable learning. And even the most important part, which is what you said, being able to spend time with you and your husband. Um, so I hope that that you can feel very happy <laughs> with, you know, with your choice and know that your children will not be behind and they're not going to be missing out on anything. In fact, they're able to experience things that many children could only dream of. And, and so that's a, that's a beautiful opportunity. I hope that one day my children will be able to, to do the same, but for now we're here, <laughs> we're, we're here in the U S living vicariously through families like you. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And that's so, that's so beautifully said. And I, I do think we saw that the whole way through. I, there really wasn't, like I said, I don't know if I would be brave enough to do it long-term, but there was not one moment during our trip that I felt like, oh, we really need to be doing more. It was like, <laughs> this is plenty. This is, this is plenty. Um, and I love one of my favorite things, as I mentioned earlier, is reading, reading as a family. And so we read, I think I saw a study um, right before we left that said something about like, if you read as a family for four hours a day, you could do like nothing else, like for all of your children's school and they would be fine. Like they, they learn everything they need in just like reading as a family and reading, you know, by themselves. So that kind of gave me the, the gumption to, to say, no, we're good for the year. And so it was such a gift just being able to pick books. So, you know, for our, for example, for our stop, first stop in France, the first day we went to Normandy and it was so incredibly educational for our kids to see, you know, how France was affected in World War II. And so that whole week we spent hours and really the majority of our school time um, just reading a book about, which was a, it was a wonderful book. It was called Black Radishes about a boy in, that lived in France who was Jewish and what it was like during World War II for him. Um, and the, so it was engaging for the kids. I enjoyed it. And it's just, that's really my favorite thing to do as far as um, school time or whatever with the kids is picking a book that we can, are all interested in um, that goes along with where we are in the world. Mm -hmm. So, so where do you get these books from again? I'm sorry. Yeah. So, well, a couple different um, thoughts. One, and I can't remember her name, but there's a book called Give Your Children the World. I think that's what it's called. I'll double check with you afterwards and you can link it. Um, I think it's called uh, Give Your Children the World or Give Your Child the World. And it's all about, hey, we would all love to travel the world, but even if you can't, your, you and your children can experience um, the world together through books. And so the first book is the first half is kind of the philosophy behind it. And then the second half of the book is just a book list of recommendations of by continent and by country and by age group. Um, and like a description of, you know, if you're in, um, Egypt and so you can go to the Middle East and then you can go to Egypt and then you can go to your age, your kids age groups and read a couple descriptions and pick one that you know is would be good for them mm -hmm. uh, so what I've used that as a reference a ton of times I'm pretty it used to be free on Amazon Prime so it, it may still be I think I think it still is um, so that's a great one just to have I think I got it from the library and decided that I needed it as a reference you know long term <laughs> so I got it um, but then other than that just googling you know, like 
and for my kids are a little older, um, so we don't do picture books quite as much. So I would maybe Google chapter books set in Egypt or chapter mm -hmm. books set in Uganda. And I'll, after a while, you know, after maybe a 20 minute search, you can kind of get a list together of, of what's going to be good. So I try to find them. Our library, our local library in America is great because we can we can get them via Kindle, by, via online. So when I can, that's free. So I, we, I look at those books first. Um, and then if I really, really like it and I can't find it elsewhere, I'll buy it on Amazon. And, you know, normally they're not very expensive, but yeah. our library also does um, hoopla. And so between between our library, like Libby app and Hoopla, I, probably 75% of the books that I want to find, I can find for them on there. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I, I didn't think to use the local library to get the Kindle versions of books. So that's a really great, great suggestion. Um, and I also, I was really surprised um, last summer, I was actually teaching a reading class to middle schoolers. And um, of course they were virtual because of COVID. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, how do we do reading, you know, with these kids that I've never seen and they, a lot of them didn't have access to books at home or they, you know, couldn't get books for whatever reason. And I was shocked. I would literally just Google, you know, PDF version of mm. Harry Potter or, you know, I mean, any, any book you could literally imagine if you just Google the book and then PDF, um, you would be surprised how many PDF versions of books are are available. And then another really good um, resource that was helpful for, for us that I really liked and enjoyed um, is actually YouTube. Um, there are a lot of people that read books on YouTube. So if ever, you know, you want to listen to your child, or maybe you don't like reading aloud or, you know, for whatever reason, or maybe you don't have time to read aloud, um, you can definitely go on YouTube and look up any book possibly that you could think of. And someone has probably read that book out loud on YouTube um, as a free kind of audiobook version of that. So yeah, um, Googling PDF books of, that you can find or that you're interested in, that is a great option. Then also checking out YouTube too. But um, it is, it's amazing how through technology we have access to so so much, you know, that we're able to have literally at our fingertips. And I'm sure that was probably really helpful to not have to lug around all of these books with you while you're traveling and still to be able to do read alouds as a family. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that's been one of my daughter's favorite things about being back though, is she really loves a real book. So uh -huh. being able to go to the library and pick out a real book and go through the pages, she's uh -huh. really enjoyed that. But like you said, it just wasn't an option while we traveled. So we did Kindles and just dealt with it. <laughs> All right, so you share with me about the backpacks. We've talked a little bit about school. Um, I know that you said you started in France um, where did you go from there? I would love to just kind of get an overview kind of map journey started in France. And then what would, the, what did the journey like, you know, look like from there? Yeah. So, and you know, one thing I'll say about Europe is people always talk about how expensive it is and it can be, but transportation is so cheap, whether you fly or honestly, our favorite mode of transportation ended up being buses, almost even in Africa. You, you kind of have to know what you're getting into, but even in Africa, the buses were very clean and, and fine. That's, that's not always the case. So kind of maybe do a Google search of what it's like. 
but every bus we had, and it was, especially with COVID, it's so easy. You, and some of them require different things. So make sure you have everything. But most of the time, our paperwork wasn't even checked. You get there 15 minutes before you put your bags on and then you're off to go. And they were, it was cheap. And most of the time it was very comfortable. We did a couple overnight buses and the kids did fine with that. Um, but especially during COVID, the airports were just such a process, you know? And so you don't have to worry about liquids and all of that, it's just it's just a lot easier. So we really tried to, unless it was a lot cheaper, we really tried not to fly if we didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So we did, uh, we started in Paris, we did a day in Normandy, um, we did a week in Paris, and then it was two days before we left, we decided where we were going because everything was so last minute. Oh so um, we did end up flying to, to Lisbon. That was one of our flights. So we did uh, a week on the beach in Portugal, and then we went to, that was when we did our overnight bus to Spain. So we stayed uh, 12 days, almost two weeks in Malaga. And then we went to the French Riviera, which I would say, everyone says it's beautiful. I would say that was probably our least favorite spot. It is a lot more pricey than, a lot more pricey than even Spain and Portugal. Um, And so for what we, we just kind of ended up not doing a whole lot. And our place was, was one of the not nice. We tried to do basic accommodations, but for what you could get in the French Riviera was a lot less than even in Spain or um, even in Italy. So that was probably our least favorite spot, just because I think we were trying to do it very budget friendly and, and you can do it, but um, it, it didn't work out. It didn't work out quite as well. So uh, we did Monaco for a day. That was fun. So that we consider that a country <laughs> because it's a principality slash country. So we count that. And then we did Cinque Terre for a week in Italy. Loved that. We did Rome and we did a night in Venice. And then we went up to Slovenia and spent almost a month there. And I would say that's probably overall our favorite country that we went to. Really? Why is that? So it's very small. So you can go from the Alps. I mean, it, there's areas of Slovenia that look just as beautiful as Switzerland. Like it's legit Alps that they have there. So we did, you can go from the Alps and two hours, you can be in the Adriatic Sea. You can go to the West uh, or the East, sorry, and do like thermal baths there, but it's all very compact. So you can get from one corner of the country to the other in like two or three hours. Hmm. So it's just very easy to, to move around. It doesn't take hardly any time to get anywhere you want to go. The people there are just really sweet. They speak really good English there because um, their country is just not very big. And so outside of just their little area, no one speaks Slovene. So everyone speaks very good English there for the most part. And it's, so the people there are just very friendly. I think there it's not, it's kind of a hidden gem, but I don't know that there's this big push to have that be their, the next big tourist destination. They kind of seem content that it's this hidden gem and, but people are very proud of their country. And so even there was a two women that we met in Kenya that were from Slovenia and they just couldn't believe that we had been there. And we, we knew exactly where like that coffee shop was that we were talking Uh about. And so I, it's just, the people there are very sweet. It has beautiful mountains. You can go to the beach and it's just all very compact. Um, And then it's, it's beautiful. Like, like all of Europe is um, as far as like the European towns, but it's much cheaper than the Western part. So it's definitely more Eastern 
cheaper Europe, but it still has the charm. It still has the mountains. It kind of has everything for a cheaper price and just super sweet people. So that's uh -huh. why, that's why that's our favorite. So you, I assume you weren't planning on staying there for a month. Is that correct? Or, or was that kind of the plan? Yeah. So Slovenia actually was probably my husband's number one destination that he oh. wanted to go to. So I think we probably planned on maybe three weeks there. We ended up finding a little a amazing little Airbnb for 25 euros a night on the kind of right off the beach. And so that's that's kind of an example of we didn't even know where this town was. We hadn't looked at it at all, but we kind of had spent we'd gotten moved quickly. We were ready to pause and kind of settle down for like a couple of weeks mm -hmm. and not do a whole lot. So we saw this Airbnb and we're like, that sounds good. And then we looked afterwards to see where like it was. And, uh, but it, you know, it turned out being in this beautiful old European coastal town. Uh, so, so, and then we knew we wanted to spend some time in the mountain. So I don't know, we probably spent a little more time there than we thought, but we did know we wanted to prioritize that. And it's real close to other, to other countries. So we did, we went down to Croatia for a night and did Plitzvici um, lakes, which are, you can, you can see on online, they're beautiful. There's waterfalls just everywhere. Um, as far as just natural beauty, it's probably one of the prettiest places we've ever been. Mm -hmm. So we went down to Croatia for one night just to do that. And even that's doable. You can go down, it was two, three hour drive away, go do something and then, you know, come back. So it's just very easy to get around. And then we did one night in Austria, very unexpectedly, because we were planning on staying in Slovenia and we had all these hikes planned and we looked at the weather and it was 100% rain for the next four days. Mm. So we were like, well, we've kind of done everything besides the hiking and we weren't going to do that in like the torrential downpours. So I'm looking at a map and I just told my husband, I said, Salzburg is like two hours away. We should go there. <laughs> and so literally it was, that was probably the most spontaneous. We, I saw that that night we packed up the next morning and we did the sound of music tour in, in Salzburg. Love and that. Then, <laughs> yeah. So that was probably the most last minute. Literally you look at a map and it's like, well, that doesn't look far away. Let's go do that. <laughs> so we escaped, we, we went far enough to escape the rain but it was just it was like a two hour drive. So yeah. there's no problem. That's awesome. Perfect for a day trip. So after yeah. Slovenia, then where did you guys head? So we took a bus to uh, Budapest because we knew we wanted to go to Dubai kind of in the next couple of weeks. And Budapest has a budget airline called Wizz Air that it was like $50 a flight to go from Budapest to Dubai. So we took, a, we took a bus to Budapest. We did a weekend there. They have really good thermal baths. So that's pretty much, that's pretty much all we did there. Because I think we went to like three or four. Um, so that's, that's what we did there. We went to Dubai, um, which was awesome. Also very pricey. But if you plan on it, it was so fun. So my, my son's favorite part of the whole trip um, and what he wanted to do for the trip. When you talk about being nervous or scared about you give them something to look forward to. And this is what he was looking forward to from before we left was Dubai has the biggest water park in the world um, called Atlantis Aquaventure. And so we did that for two days. And that's, I mean, we had very high expectations and it still was like his favorite part of the, you know, of the whole trip. So we did that for about 12 days. We did like an overnight desert safari. That was really fun and did some, did some fun stuff while we were there. 
And then we flew to Uganda from Dubai and we spent three weeks working with um, or visiting some missionary friends that live there. They have a campus that they have a school that they sponsor children for. They have um, they do they do a lot of medical care. So they do a lot of with disabilities. And so my husband was able to be really helpful while he was there kind of putting his PT um, stuff fitting people for wheelchairs and making beds and all that stuff. So that was really good. That was my daughter's favorite destination because we were on a campus with other English speaking kids and that she was, she was ready for that. She was ready for some friends. Um, and the campus was just kind of the kids had free reign. So mm. it was, I think her, so before that, the kids had just been right next to us all the time. And mm. most of the kids, they, they got really good at, it kind of miming things and playing with kids, even if they didn't speak the same language, but she was, it was, it was time. And she was really excited about just being able to run off and go play with kids that speak English. So that was just a, a good gift for, for her. So we did that. And that was just too from, I mean, to go from Dubai, which is one of the wealthiest countries in the world to go from yeah. that to Uganda. I mean, that must've been quite the dramatic shift just as far as economics and, and what that experience was like for them to go from super wealthy to now working in a place that ex really experiences a lot of poverty. Yeah, you know, I never really, I, I thought about those two things individually. I've never really thought about the fact that we did them back to back, but you're right, it, it was, but it was just a, it was a good, it was just a good thing for, for all of us to, to learn, for our kids to learn to serve, to our kids to learn that um, sometimes, I think all of all of Africa, like sometimes we're hot and sometimes we want to go home, but like when you see other things, you know, around you, um, it, it kind of puts things into perspective. So I think it was really good for all of us to um, have the chance to, even though we, none of us did it perfectly, but to put others needs before, before our own, even when it was hot and even when it was, you know, dirtier or whatever. And so yeah. I, I think that was, that was a really good a really good three weeks for us. Uh, so after that, we went to Kenya because the thing about Africa is I, I always thought about it being cheap and it is sometimes, but how to get getting from place to place is very expensive. So mm -hmm. from Uganda, the absolute cheapest place we could get to anywhere was Kenya, which is just next door, but it was still like a, like $200 per person one way which oh, wow. to me is, is pricey, right? Especially when we got from Hungary to Dubai for $50 per person one way. So that's, that's the tricky part about Africa is it's really not as cheap to travel around. So we kind of figured out pretty early, we just needed to stay. It wasn't gonna be like Europe that we could go one night here and one night here. We yeah. needed to pick a spot and it was gonna cost us to get there. But once, once it did, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too expensive, but we just needed to stay a little bit longer in one spot. Mm -hmm. So we went to Kenya, we went to Diani beach, which is on the coast and has, it's not really what I thought of Kenya. It has beautiful snorkeling. The, um, the Indian ocean is just beautiful there. So we did that for almost three weeks uh, or almost a month, really. And we spent Christmas there. Um, so it was, it was funny because, you know, it was, it's, almost on the equator. So it was like hundred degrees on Christmas day. And um, we saw Santa coming in on a camel to one of their <laughs> resorts. So it was just a fun adventure. It kind of helped 
it be just very different from from what we are. A lot of people still celebrate Christmas there because it's a lot of internationals um, and they all go to the beach for, so it was very festive, like there was decorations and, um, but so different. It was almost hard to miss Christmas at home because it, it just was so different. So that was good. And then we ended up, that's when we went to Nairobi. We were planning to go to Egypt from there. Um, and, but then we, we tested positive for COVID. So we, everything kind of got delayed about two weeks. Um, I didn't mention we did a safari in Uganda and loved it so much that we did a second safari in Kenya. So after we got out of quarantine, we did a safari in Kenya and then we did two weeks in Egypt and now we're home. So that was the long answer to your question. We did so much. It's hard to so make so it much. quick. That's amazing. And I know you mentioned, you know, the travel expenses were so like different. And then of course, having to pay for housing for that whole time. How much did you budget for this trip? And were you over or under budget? So we kind of broke it down to um, categories and per month. So, um, and I remember this a little bit more because I just sent it someone and I'm happy to share that, share like kind of how it broke down if you want to, you know, add that. Yeah. I don't know if I can remember everything, but um, activities and um, entertainment, we budgeted for a thousand for a month. And that was kind of just every activity we would want to do, whether that was canyoning or whitewater rafting or a tour in a city or, or whatever that would look like, a cooking class in Rome, all of that was under that budget. Uh, I think we budgeted maybe 1400 a month for uh, transportation. We budgeted about that same amount for accommodations. Mm -hmm. And then um, there was a couple other categories. We had some home expenses that we kind of budgeted for as well. Mm -hmm. um, accommodations, I would say we were, we tried to be about 50 a night or less. So if we, if we were in some place for just one night, we would get the cheapest accommodation we could find with verified mm -hmm. reviews that we weren't gonna come away with bed bugs or anything, <laughs> but we did some hostels with the kids and that was all fine. So wow. if it was just one or two nights, we would just say within reason, the cheapest thing we could find. Mm -hmm. If it was for a week or two, we did mainly Airbnbs and we would, we would still be able to stay around 500 for the week, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more but 500 was usually attainable even in Europe and we would try to get at least a one bedroom so that we would have just a little bit of space. Sometimes we could get a nice two bedroom. One of the nicest places we stayed the entire trip was in Malaga, Spain, and it was a beautiful two bedroom, you know, with a pool that you could walk to the beach. So hmm. that amount definitely gets you different things depending on where you are for sure. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So you did some hostels, some Airbnbs. Um actually I, I had interviewed another world schooling family and um, they had shared about trusted house sitters. I don't know if you're familiar with that website. Yes. Uh, yes, I am. And I think it would be great. I know I, I want to say when I looked at it, it was maybe like 150. Maybe that's wrong. I shouldn't say that because I'm not sure it was you had to pay an initial upfront, which would be more than worth it if you knew you were going to, you know, kind of commit to it. Yeah. But I think for us, that initial upfront cost was a little more than what I was thinking when I didn't know if we would use it or not, because mm -hmm. um, you have to be kind of flexible for where, but there's tons yeah. of families that use it with great, great success. 
Yeah, so for people who maybe missed that episode, um, Trusted House Sitters is a website where, as she mentioned, as Ashley mentioned, you pay kind of like a membership fee for the year. And I think you're right, it is somewhere between like $150 to $200 for the whole year. And then you're able to stay in other people's houses basically for free. Um, most of the houses have like dogs or cats or something like they're looking for someone to stay in their house while they're traveling and help take care of their pets. Um, although there are some families that that just have their house there that want someone to just house it for them while they're maybe out of town. Um, so if you can plan it right, uh, that would definitely be a great option to be able to stay abroad for free. I was blown away when I saw on the website, I mean, all these houses all over the France and Italy and Bali and Thailand. I mean, literally anywhere you could possibly imagine in the entire world, they have people that have their houses that are there that are available for totally free. So as Ashley mentioned, if you are planning on, on traveling a lot and you're planning to use it, that would definitely be another really, really great option. Um, so, so doing that. And so it sounds like you kind of budgeted around like 5,000 a month to be able to, to do that. Um, was that yeah. something that you guys had kind of saved up before you left or were you looking for ways to kind of have income coming in from another source while you were gone? Yeah. So we did save up, we had saved up for several years. Mm -hmm. And so we had that amount for about 10 months that was set aside um, we had more than that, but set aside for what we felt like was wise to spend. And I think that was really important because when we went from my husband making a, a good income and us having money, but not having any time, and then we swapped it to, we have lots of time, but we have no money <laughs> coming in. At least. Yeah. And I think that if we had not really set that money aside and planned to spend it, it would have been kind of a downer just to constantly see our bank account just kind of go down and it's not going up because we weren't working it's just going steadily down yeah. and but we had a plan for that and I think that's why budgeting is so important that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast we yeah, feel very strongly <laughs> yes um budgeting and just good money finances um is just really important and I think for a marriage it's that's probably been one of the biggest blessings um, that we've always been on the same page with that. And mm -hmm. real early on, we kind of saw that really finances were blessing marriages and we're just destroying them. And so we kind of thought at, from the beginning, way early on before any of this, if we can just do one thing well, that's a good place to start. It's just doing our finances well together. And it doesn't always mean making a lot of money, but being on the same page and communicating about that has just always been really important. So yeah. I think that was a really big blessing that not only did we have that money in the bank, but we had set that aside for this purpose. Right. So, um, so we did have planned that we didn't have to work. So anything that we made, um, sometimes I'm able to do stuff with our blog that we get a free, you know, excursion or a free stay or something. So any of that was just kind of a bonus or any side money that we made, my husband or I was just kind of a bonus, but we had it budgeted to where we didn't have to do that for about 10 months. That's amazing. And so you're here in the U.S. now and um, how long are you planning to stay? I know you mentioned you're flying off to South America, I believe you said. So, so, so yeah, what is, what is next in the travels of the Booker family? Yeah, so our plan, even when we when we landed, was that we were going to be here for six weeks and then head back out. 
my husband got um, kind of a short-term job opportunity, and then I and then I think we're gonna go ahead and sell our house. So both of those things were gonna be about like a two or three month window. So we kind of just decided, okay, we'll be here for that. So we're our plan is to leave again May and then be gone for the summer. So hopefully we'll get another good like three months out of it. I hope I'm not ready to be done traveling. <laughs> Well, you, you don't have to be. I mean, you guys have definitely figured out a way to make all of your dreams come true um, and really have put in the time and the effort to plan and budget and make arrangements and also the flexibility. I am blown away with the way that you in particular as a mom, but your whole entire family, just in being flexible to kind of roll with the punches and go with the flow and find things last minute. I mean, it really takes a, a unique special person to be able to be able to do that you know because it you know it, it's not easy it's not easy to to deal with traveling especially being in another country where you may maybe you don't know the language or you don't know the people you may not know the customs or the rules of you know engagement um and then to just be able to kind of go with it um is is i think that would be very challenging for me but i'm so impressed at the way that you guys have been able to to do that through 17 different countries it's incredible it's been really good for our kids, I think, and it it makes us kind of want to be on our A game. That's that's not the right phrase, but when we see like the way that we react to things when things don't go as expected, or you know, there was one night that our we we've decided that with accommodations for us, we're always going to book with at least one verified review because I know this doesn't happen, and people have good experiences. We have had twice that our listing was just completely fraudulent. It was once on booking.com and once on VRBO. Like we got there and it just didn't exist. Like it was just completely fraudulent. And neither of them had reviews. And I know there's another family that we've connected with and we're like, oh, our favorite is when they don't have reviews because they're excited for us to be there and they're new. And so lots of other people have great experiences with booking ones without reviews. We've just not going to do that anymore <laughs> because of our own experiences. But you know, so we're, yeah, I mean, I remember one night we had kind of just had a rough day. We're in Rome, our first night, it's like nine o'clock at night and we have nowhere to stay. Like we'd have no idea where we're going to stay. And so we know like our kids are watching and our kids are, you know, kind of affected by how we, they can tell when we're stressed, they can, and they feed off of that. So it um, makes us just very careful the way that we respond to things because they are watching. And just, I think that's a huge gift of what do you do when that, when that happens and teaching our kids and our, our motto in our family is that, um, you, that to be flexible. And my, my son, when he was really small, just got his words mixed up and said, yeah, we want to be sensible. So that's become our, our just motto is that our goal is to be flexible. And when we're all crying and we're all a hot mess, let's just not be crazy people. Like, let's just be sensible. <laughs> so flexible is our goal. And sensible <laughs> is our backup. <laughs> I love that. Be flexible and be sensible. I feel like if the world could master, you know, if every human being could master those two things, we we would be so much happier, I think, and built yeah. in our lives, being flexible and being sensible. I love that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I love talking with people about is learning and 
really getting the fact that all of life is learning and that there's valuable learning that we do all the time, no matter where we are, no matter what is going on around us. And I would love to ask you, what are some of your favorite lessons that you have learned or your favorite things that you have learned from your traveling as a family? Oh, that's a good question. And I honestly, I think what we what we just talked about is probably number one, just the ability as a family to now granted, like we learn interesting history in in Venice or what, whatever. And all of those things are amazing, amazing things that our kids have learned. But just the just the ability to handle things as a family and to stick mm-hmm. together when we have no place to stay and it's 9 p.m. Or, or whatever that looks like. I think that that's probably been as much of a gift as, as anything. And that, like I said, the quality time specifically that they've gotten to spend with my husband, I just see as just such a blessing and such a gift. And, um, I think even just the adventure side, like new experiences, new, we haven't seen anything like this. How do you, how do you react? And even, um, especially going to predominantly Muslim countries like in Dubai and Egypt, how do you, how do you treat people with respect and how do you love them? And how do you, um, how do you interact and, and know what you believe, but then also to remember that we're in their country. They're not, you know, they're not in ours. And so we want to be overly respectful. We want to be overly, um, generous and, and loving towards them and to set the example in that. And so I think, just having good conversations with about what we believe. Um, and then, but what's something that's, that's great about one of the things that we did in Dubai was we visited a really famous mosque and actually it was in Abu Dhabi and we sat in their little lobby because <laughs> it has Papa John's and we're from Kentucky and Papa John's is founded here. So we were so excited to finally get Papa John's pizza. And so we're sitting there having Papa John's. And so we just talked about okay, what, what, what's the six pillars of Islam? And then what's something in this that we've just learned that's admiring about their culture? What's admiring and their dedication to prayer? Like that's, that's inspiring, you know, to us. That should be, that should be inspiring even if we believe differently. And so um, just wanting to kind of shape their worldview and knowing what we believe, but also just loving people well, I think was a really good, a good lesson. Um, and then just all of the, just all of the history, I, you know, in, when we were in Rome, we saw, you know, we did so many good tours and then we went to Salzburg and it was funny cause we were on our, we were doing an audio guide. Rick Steves, by the way, has awesome walking tours. Um, and they're, they're really good for kids even. And so we're listening to our Rick Steves audio guide. I think we did like 30 by the time we went through all of Europe, every place we saw <laughs> Rick Steves had a walking tour. Um, and so we were doing a walking tour and my daughter looked over and was like, wow, this really reminds me of like what Rome, like the, that fountain in Rome looked like. And, you know, cue Rick Steves in, in our ear is, is like, and I don't know if you realized, but this had so much influence from Roman architecture. You know? <laughs> so the fact that, that it's not just facts, but it's seen like correlations. Like that's another, that's another level when you are able to, to correlate things and able to see things that aren't just we memorized facts, you know? Yeah. So I think all of those were just really, really great lessons to see. That's incredible. I love that you mentioned that, that yes, it, the, the facts and the history, and I guess the content was a really valuable part of your learning, but even more important than the facts and the content 
was kind of those, those life skills of being able to appreciate people, learning how to love, learning how to serve, learning how to be flexible and be sensible, as you mentioned, like those are at the end of the day, those are the, the life lessons that I think are most important. Um, you know, for, for us to learn and for our children to learn and for us to really model for them, which it sounds like you guys have done an incredible job at modeling all of those different aspects um, for your children, which is incredible. Um, and, and I have another question as well. Um, if people are hearing this, I know that our time is running out, but I want to make sure that I give people an opportunity to be able to connect with you and stay connected with your journey, because truly your journey is just beginning. Um, and I'm really excited to see what is in store for you and for your children in the future, as you guys continue to travel the world and learn from everything and everyone that you experience along the way. Um, how can people get or stay connected to you? Yeah, thanks for asking. So we're probably most active on Instagram. I share while we're traveling pretty frequently on that. And so it's everything is at Traveling Graces. So 1L Traveling Graces. Travelinggraces.com is our website and all the social media links are on there. Um, we have it separated on our blog by destination. So if you're looking for a specific thing, you can go to just post on Europe or just post on Africa. But then we also have a blog section that deals more with just more of the questions we get asked, packing, finances, all of that. But um, Facebook, Instagram is probably the two. We have some videos on YouTube, but that takes a long time. So I haven't been as active on that since we started traveling. I was better about that when we did one week and then I had six, you know, four or five months to sit down and do a really good video. Yeah. So I haven't done as much on that. But um, Facebook and Instagram, we, we share a lot on. And if anyone has any questions or um, just wants to get feedback or share with me their travels, um, I, I would love to connect with them. So send me a, a private message as well. Awesome. And I will be sure to include all of Ashley's links in the description of this video, or if you're watching the podcast in the description of the podcast. So please make sure that you check out her website, her blog, um, her Instagram, Facebook, all that other stuff, her YouTube. And um, you can continue to follow Ashley and the Booker family as they are traveling the world together. Um, and we'll be able to see whatever is next in your journey. Um, and one last question before we sign off for today, if you could give one piece of advice to the people that are listening, um, whether that be about world schooling or traveling or just life in general, parenting, whatever budgeting, uh, any one piece of advice that you would like to leave people with, what would that be? Great question. I think just do something new, have a new experience with your, with your family. And so it's okay if that doesn't mean that you, you're going off to the other end of the world. Um, but starting from the very beginning of, of what we talked about in the podcast, we've just seen such a blessing of sharing new experiences and adventures together mm. over material things. And, and we have stuff, we have a home, like this is, you know, this is my home, but, um, but I think that's just been the biggest blessing, strengthening our family through those two things, new experiences, adventure together has been just one of the biggest blessings in our family. So do something new with your, with your family, even if it's in your own city. I love that. Actually, that's one of the things that I, I wrote about on, on my blog as well, that, you know, when COVID hit, we kind of had to put our travels on pause a little bit. Um, but it really forced me to kind of explore what it looks like to be a peaceful world schooler right here where we live and 
And so just as you mentioned, you know, you can do something new, even if it's not traveling to the other side of the world, but getting yourself out of your comfort zone with your children and really focusing on having that connected, joyful, peaceful, happy, fun, exciting, adventurous relationship with, with your children while they're young. I mean, this time goes by so, so, so fast. And at the end of the day, you know, no one goes back and is like, oh man, I wish we had more stuff or I wish that we you know, had more money or a bigger house or whatever. We, everyone looks back at the end of their life and wishes that they had more time with the people that they love. And um, so I think if we can keep that present and, and know we have today with our children and to, to do something fun and exciting and new with them and also challenging ourselves too, um, that is a beautiful, beautiful piece of advice, Ashley. So thank you so much for sharing that. I will definitely try to do that today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's great to chat with you. My pleasure. Um, and to those of you that are listening, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I hope that this episode was as much of a blessing for you and your family as it has been for me. Um, remember, there are new episodes that are released every single Tuesday, so make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. And be sure you check out the links in the description so that you can support Ashley and her family as they are traveling the world together. All right. Have a wonderful day. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.